Dear students, faculty, and staff, the concept that is going to be the subject of the interview that's going to begin after this introduction is that of Sisu. Uh, and I think it's applicable to several lessons and several courses. It was brought up in the lessons about will to fight of a person, but also of a nation's will to mobilize to warfare year after year, will to fight, will to die, the will to suffer. Also, it applies to lessons on sacred values and foundational narratives that may have an outsized influence on our subconscious and how we make decisions, how we behave, and how we and others, adversaries, competitors, and allies, view the world. As well as lessons on transcendence, a special devotion to duty and our communities and societies that we are a part of. This untranslatable concept uh, Sisu captured the heart of many Americans in a New York Times article about Finnish fighters published in 1940. And it may be part of an explanation of how Finland has survived for millennia and through the winter war against the Soviets, with fewer people, fewer weapons, no military industrial complex, but pure creativity and grit and uncommon resolve. The idea of Sisu also plays an important role when we look to narratives and strategic stabilization. It plays a role when we look to communities and nations' abilities or ability to bounce back from hardship, resilience, anti-fragility, robustness. And importantly, what Sisu can teach us in our most difficult and darkest hours in our careers, when we become overwhelmed by responsibilities and duties and hardships, and how we can help facilitate similar quiet professionalism amidst chaos and violence in our younger leaders. Okay, so we are here with Amelia Lotti. Uh, she is an international presenter on topics related to positive psychology, courage, leadership, and inner strength. She's also a transformational mindset coach supporting individuals who are committed to cultivating compassionate leadership and integrity in their daily lives. Currently, Amelia is finishing her PhD dissertation for the Helsinki-based Alto University School of Science and Technology, in which she is pioneering the research on the ancient Finnish uh, construct of Sisu, denoting courage and determination in the face of adversity and the ability to unlock latent inner strength. Her work has been featured by the New Yorker, Business Insider, Scientific American, BBC, Forbes, amidst many others, and she's given talks at Fortune 500 companies such as Facebook and Salesforce, Stanford University, TEDx, and the list goes on. I'll make sure that her bio is uh, linked in the podcast description. So I should say good evening, uh, Amelia. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, you're in Bali, is that correct? Yes, I'm in Bali. Okay. Excellent. So, yeah, there might be a little bit of a delay there. I apologize for that. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's a little after 6 a.m. my time, but it's 6 p.m. your time, Sunday evening. Um, but I really appreciate you making the time to be here today. Um, I know that you have a lot of different uh, – um, you're running a, a number of different programs, and so I, I appreciate, again, you making the time. And I know our, our – listeners, our students, uh, faculty, and staff that are interested are going to get a lot uh, from 
you. And I have actually been quoting you for a number of years uh, in my courses on things like will to fight, resilience. Um, so it's a huge personal honor to, to finally be interviewing you. And so I wanted to start off with just act, asking you, what is uh, Sisu? Mm. So thank you, Howard. It's really an honor for me to be um, uh, get to be part of the class in this way. Um, and when you asked the question that would I be would I participate, my heart immediately said yes, and I made it a priority to make time for this. Uh, I'm very committed and passionate about bringing the message of Sisu to individuals who want to cultivate it on national level and in their personal lives. And I think, I hope, it's my wish at this moment that this can be an informational moment for all of us, that there's knowledge around Sisu communicated by a Finnish person who's also a researcher on it, but also that it can be a personally meaningful moment uh, for all of us, you know, because first and foremost, we are humans living um, the life and going through all kinds of experiences. So that's kind of where I start. So Sisu, um, it's an ancient Finnish concept, um, goes back about 500 years, does not really have a direct translation, but Sisu kind of, you could say that it denotes this kind of, uh, I'd call it intestinal fortitude, that it is almost like you could say that it's the, uh, Mm, embodied somatic counterpart of mental toughness, kind of connecting to a different power circuit than uh, many of the concepts that we are familiar with from psychology. Uh, for example, many of us are familiar with grit, resilience, perseverance, hardiness, and they are all concepts that kind of fall in the category that they are uh, cognitive qualities, which means that we use our mind uh, to will our way through something. Now, Sisu is um, kind of of a different caliber. <laughs> you know? Sisu is something that, figuratively, we could say that Sisu begins where perseverance ends. And so many times when I've lectured on Sisu abroad, where the people might not be familiar with the construct beforehand, and when I describe, you know, the stories around Sisu from my own life and from people I've worked with, that it's really like when you are in that deep, dark forest and you are your knee deep or neck deep sunk in the swamp and you feel like there is no way I can continue. And yet we do not give up. We take another breath. We take another, allow another heartbeat. Um, and we continue and we don't give up. And there's this thing, almost like a second wind, what the American philosopher William James, um, uh, he talked about energy in the times of crisis. And he used this concept of second wind, which relates to Sisu. We find this within ourselves in the deep, dark moment when we feel, um, when we think we have nothing more left to give. Uh, but in reality, there is so much more in the human experience and in us as living beings than what meets the eye. And so many people, when I describe this story, you know, when you go through that dark forest and you finally reach the end of it and you see the new dawn, who have been there, they recognize what Sisu is. It's a very embodied, visceral experience. It's, um, I'm a huge fan of John Dewey, who also is um, a philosopher, and 
he speaks a lot about direct experience. And Sisu really goes into that space that it's experienced by people in different ways, by different people. And it's always subjective. You know, the limit of Sisu is different for each person. For some, um, I'm an ultra runner. So sometimes I say that, you know, one woman or man's uh, warm up can be someone else's uh, moment of Sisu, you know. So we are very different in that. And uh, it's important to also not compare each other with that regard. But more than that, open a space where we can discuss that how do we cultivate the CISO in each other and really, I mean, also share these stories. But maybe I'll put a pause there. So That's fascinating. No, thank you so much. And thank you for, for providing uh, both an example, but also I think a really interesting analogy. Something that I felt really interesting in your TED Talk, uh, which I rewatched yesterday, and I hope all the listeners uh, have time to listen and watch that as well, um, is, you know, you're, and, and what you just said, which is, you know, Sisu comes in when perseverance ends. Um, and then also this idea that, you know, you have these ideas like perseverance, grit, overcoming hardship, uh, resilience, and Sisu is a way to a technique or a means to attain those ends. So I guess in your, you know, in your own words and your experiences and your research, how would you further compare or can you expand a little bit on the similarities or the differences between, let's say, resilience and Sisu, especially when it perhaps pertains to a community of a number of people? Mm. So it's very, it's really useful to add all these concepts and ideas into our personal toolkit you know i often say well aristotle said that the soul never um, dreams or thinks without an image you know another way to say it is that the future is always an idea so when we add these ideas to our uh, repertoire um, it makes us more resourceful so caesar is another tool for that toolkit that we all need uh normally but even more now in this time um and so grit, for example, you know, it's passion and perseverance for long-term goals, like really like staying day in, day out with some task. Um, and there's usually some kind of a reward that we're striving toward a goal. What Sisu is, it's more like what needs to be done in the moment without even knowing if, there is a re um, if there's any kind of reward or uh, that we gain from it. It really literally means the next heartbeat, the next breath, um, and kind of like the staying power that we stay with a task. Now, and resilience, for example, so it is, it means to bounce back from crisis or tragedy or adversity to start again. Sisu is more like, if we compare those two, Sisu is it can be described that Sisu is what happens before resilience. Mm. So you're under the surface, you're fighting, and it is the um, action that happens before we can start anew. So Sisu can really lift us from those deepest, darkest moments. And on a national level, um, Sisu as a component of a culture can be a huge game changer. There's one story from the Finnish history, the Winter War, uh, which I know that you have um, 
mentioned during your classes yes. uh, or will mention. Mm-hmm. And so there's a very, um, very well-known example of how this tiny nation was able to um, endure and survive uh, this massive invasion by an opponent that was that was numer- many, many, many times bigger, uh, their army and the number of tanks and, and all that. So it was an impossible situation. Uh, the nations looking at this situation uh, outside were saying that this is a complete suicide, you know, what these, uh, this little tiny nation is doing. But they didn't take into consideration the power that an idea whose time has come, which is also uh, a quote, um, uh, what it can do to a nation, because it can act almost as this like binding force, like a glue, that when people connect their hearts with an idea, and especially when you connect your heart with an idea that goes beyond just being, um, I'll bring this grid now as in another example again, and resilience, which are uh, psychological terms that refer, refer to a, some kind of a capacity within the human. But here's the curious thing about Sisu for nations, is that in Finland, uh, Sisu also relates to entire way of life and an entire life philosophy. So behind Sisu, there's also this um, connection to values. So when I've asked Finns what Sisu really means, you know, there are topics like honesty, uh, humility, integrity, um, doing what must be done, you know, even when no one's watching. So it really relates to um, a certain kind of standard and a quality. So Sisu really replies to the question, not only what is being done, um, but how we do anything. So at best, when there's a group of people, you know, be it families, be it teams, be it an entire nation or a global family, um, when we align our actions to um, this kind of way of life that seeks to um, really hold in high reverence values such as integrity and caring for our fellow beings, you know, part of CISU is also, you know, how do we use CISU for good? So um, the question also is that, okay, do we have Sisu? Uh, and then the quality of how we use it, but then what are the purposes? Because uh, Sisu in itself, in itself is a neutral um, quality and our values determine what is the outcome. So there are people who are currently on the political arenas or, you know, different uh, domains of our collective lives into politics and elsewhere in business who are using their CISU in a very detrimental way. And we can all come up with examples of those, uh, uh, of, of these. But when CISU is used for good and when it's in the hands of people who really care deeply about virtue, it can become an incredibly powerful tool for transformation on a communal and national level. And um, I'll just add this one more thing, that when I did my first research on Sisu, and um, this paper is out, it's it can be uh, downloaded. It's an open access um, research paper, which uh, you can link to um, our listeners. Absolutely. Um, it's, called, it's called Embodied Fortitude. Mm-hmm. And um, so it presents the results of uh, one of the questions also where I asked that uh, the respondents, we had over 1,800 people who responded. 
And I asked them, what does Finland look like if people um, uh, tap into their Sisu more? And they described um, a future or a nation where people are more hopeful, they are more integrated, more engaged with one another and what they're doing. And I think the uh, the most resounding sentiment from all the answers was that, you know, utilizing Sisu leads to this kind of... Um, it gives rise to increased social support. And they mentioned brave entrepreneurialism. Uh, that was one thing that kind of came out. So it makes people resourceful. And maybe, this is my hypothesis, because because it it kind of invites us to look beyond the visible reality. And we might look around us and say that I don't have any resources, I am depleted, all is gone. But in Sisu, there's really this magical component that it invites us to look beyond the horizon. And it gives rise to, it ignites hope. And hope really, really is the spark plug of all action. It is, it is a potent force. So the message of Sisu is so important for on communal level right now. Um, and then just, you know, on individual level, like how do we tap into that and in that when we're in that dark forest? You know, that's incredible. Thank you so much. I think, you know, for me, and you just actually answered a question that just came to my to my mind and you answered it uh, extraordinarily well. So I, I can understand even I can understand it, which is that, you know, it, it seems almost there's a paradox where Sisu is uh, how it affects the individual or you tap into some Sisu as a way to achieve resilience or perseverance um, but then it's also very, you know, it, it, it relates to an entire community. So it, in one way, it's extremely at the individual level of the mind or the spirit or whatever we call it, but it also affects the, you know, as a community. And I know, and you brought this up in your TED talk and, and before your even TED talk, I had, you know, grown up listening and hearing about, uh, Finland and Sisu from a, uh, uh, a 1940 uh, article from the New York Times that talked about it. And why, while it was a, a fine article by, I'm sure, a good reporter or journalist, that was, a, you know, one of the immediate questions I had, which is it seems to be talking about a nation or a large community, but it also is talking about the, you know, very much the individual so I have a kind of a bit of a silly question, and it just came to mind. This isn't something that uh, uh, Miss Latte and I uh, prepared, um, which is, you know, year in, year in and year out, uh, there are behavioral economists that do these studies on what are the happiest countries in the world, what are the happiest societies in the world. Um, I think that I enjoy reading the studies. I, I see there's a lot of weaknesses in the way that they're done. Um, but we can always learn things, I think, from, from these types of polls and interviews and surveys. Um, and year after year, Finland is always number one. Uh, if it's not number one, it's in the top three. And what I found interesting was, you know, thinking back to, you know, when these reports, for example, this is Forbes, uh, 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 published this article about Finland being the happiest country in the world three days ago. And when the BBC or CNN goes to Helsinki and interviews people and say, you know, why are you so happy? Um, many of the respondents are like, I'm not happy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not something you think about. So I wonder, is, is, is this idea of Sisu 
could it be related to why Finland or Finns are happier people according to these studies year after year, decade after decade? What do you think? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that you asked that question because it is every year when it every year when we get the results, you know, uh, there is this conversation that ensues. And there was one brilliant article that I think it might have been my PhD advisor, Frank Martella, who wrote, and it was titled, entitled that Finland is the happiest country in the world and Finns aren't happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a funny uh, title for the article. And so there are a lot of examples to this. I mean, first of all, how these studies are conducted, you know, um, oftentimes they, they measure things like, you know, infrastructure, you know, how safe people feel, how well all the services function, you know, and that's a really important thing because it tells something about us as humans that when we have psychological safety, you know, we feel more happy, we feel more engaged, um, and we feel that we have more uh, safety for risk-taking, you know, and uh, all kinds of courageous endeavors, you know, so that's an interesting part in itself. Another thing that often comes to my mind is that as a Finn, um, we we are we're quite modest, you know. We we are happy and we relish, you know, very small modest things. We are very connected to nature. So you know, for humans who find thrill looking at a tree or a lake, you know, it's um, that kind of a person may not be so pushed and kind of tossed around by what happens around him or her because there's such a solid ground, you know, to kind of fall into. Uh, and that's where I honestly draw most of my strength and how I cultivate my sisu is a lot of it is through nature um, because it is such a robust system and uh, it is something that's so easy to forget that we're living inside this very incredible um, uh, environment. And really, when wherever I look, you know, I see examples of sisu and the fortitude of nature you know and i am part of nature Uh, so that in itself makes me feel hopeful and more strong but there's a really interesting and a caveat um caveat um when we talk about finland and sisu and how it may have helped us i mean surely it has impacted like how our education system you know our, our resolve to build a nation after the war you know and and there are a lot of these stories there so we are a tenacious nation for sure but we also are a nation who happens to be, who happens to be in the leading, um, like in statistics for suicides, for alcoholism, depression, um, domestic violence. So that also is a reality. And so how Sisu plays into both of these scenarios uh, is actually a key question, um, because Sisu in itself it can be beneficial it can elevate the human and the nation and it can really support us in doing incredible things and pushing the boundaries uh going beyond transcending you know but it can also be detrimental for us if it is used incorrectly and if we use it in a way that is not grounded in these good values or if we have too much sisu you know, so this is one of the key points of the research paper, and I really encourage um, people to check it out um, because there's some really good stuff there, and it's based on these um, thousand eight hundred responses that were analyzed. And so there were three team, themes that um, um, 
were apparent where, you know, the harmful sisu, so not all sisu is good, and then harmful sisu can be harmful in three ways, you know. It can uh, be harmful to the individual, um, to the individuals themselves, where we push ourselves way too far, you know, we get into a burnout, we take uh, crazy risks, you know, that are, that or that we take the risk and we're not informed by reason that we get stubborn and we get blinded by the goal we have instead of tuning in and feeling into the flow of what is happening some i say that you know sometimes it might take more sisu to quit something Mm -hmm. uh, or to reach out and ask for help and say like i can't handle this you know especially in a culture in finland we have this very strong culture of sisu where um it can sometimes be it can sometimes be very difficult to ask for help at that at the expense of losing faith. And that's the negative side of Sisu. And that is the culture that I am determined to um, illuminate or bring into light and bring more of this healthy Sisu that I call gentle power, which combines the strength and toughness, you know, and the resolve that we have, but also the ability to be flexible, to be soft, to honor ourselves. You know, we need both of those, uh, the yin and the yang, you could even say, you know, the softness and the toughness. And so um, a culture where we don't also discuss these, um, the the healthy side of Sisu and how to cultivate it, it's in danger of creating a system and a culture that's very cold, where people are left alone, and it's hard to reach out and really build that community. So both of those things... Um, Finland topping these charts and then struggling, um, it is a reminder in my mind to uh, myself and to everyone, you know, that it's up to us to first and foremost to really, uh, it's an invitation to know ourselves. You know, the ancient Greek wisdom that's carved into the temple of uh, Delphi, know thyself, everything, everything roots to our ability to self-reflect. And as intelligent beings, we have this advantage that we can do that. And so Sisu is also intelligence, and it is about informed action. I'm thinking of uh, the art of war, you know, and Sun Tzu, and the very often quoted part, which is that if you want peace, prepare for war. So there's a similar idea to, you know, uh, with Sisu, that when we are smart enough to practice beforehand, when we incorporate practices into our lives, which we can go into after this if you want, uh, or later, but bringing and cultivating a space where Sisu can exist as a beneficial, elevating, constructive capacity um, can really, really uh, be a game changer. So for the future of C- for Finland, I really hope that we get to also speak to the numbers, you know, and the statistics that are behind these statistics and gallops, you know, to people who, you know, when you go and ask, are you happy? And they say, no, well, we need to do something Mm -hmm. that the actual human life and the experience is something where people can find and feel meaningful and feel safe and feel fully expressed, you know? So those are some of my thoughts on that. I kind of, um, answered really broadly there, but I hope it's uh, helpful. Very helpful. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, And that elucidates, I I think that brings clarity to me on a number of seeming paradoxes 
Um, one of the things that that uh, and why I have I'm thrilled to be speaking with you for a number of reasons, um, but it's that many researchers seem to um, uh, not be scared, but not want to take on the burden of describing something that can't be measured. You know, that perfectly measured. Um, of course, there are cert certain quantitative methodologies that help with any research uh, project. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's in, in the military, sometimes we call it that, that X factor, you know, that, that thing that, um, uh, that can't quite be perfectly described in a very short phrase, um, but also just can't be measured. The way that we can measure the number of bullets or the number of, of tanks that, that uh, a country has, or we can measure um, a GDP of a nation or the numbers of people. Um, and it makes people, you know, I think feel uncomfortable and certainly, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We shouldn't at least be thinking about it. And so my next question is, is I'm, I'm, uh, sort of <laughs> going on a, a little bit of a tangent there. I'm sorry. But my ne my final question for you, if you still have time is, um, I guess a bit of a continuation of what you, what we've already been talking about. And that is for the individual. So many of our listeners, uh, our students have been, especially in the military, but also civilian service folks, um, have been in combat. Uh, they've been, you know, uh, we've been, the United States has been at war for um, about uh, 20 years now, two decades. Um, we're seeing already our next generation, our children, fighting the battles that, that uh, we had begun. And... Um, and in addition to that, in addition to having been through things that no human being should have to ever go through and endure, mm. they also, as especially for those that have command uh, and that have a lot of responsibility, there's a, and anyone who's had a command will understand what I'm about to say, and I'm sure that you and, and the number of, of, of uh, projects that you have run understand this as well, which is, it's very isolating being in a, at command where you have nobody, you know, you have, especially if you are, um, geographically far away from, um, people that could be your peers. It's a very, very isolating thing where you have so much responsibility and it's only you, you can't really open up and speak to people, um, uh, within your command as plainly as you could amongst, you know, friends, uh, et cetera. So there, there's a certain isolation and hardship that comes with leadership in addition to just the, the, the awesome responsibility. So for the individual level, what are other things that we should be thinking about that we can learn from Sisu? I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm. You know, when you're describing, um, uh, and like the question and painting the kind of this experience, what came to my mind was this vision of a, of a tree, you know, and Sisu in many ways, I use this comparison and metaphor sometimes that um, we as humans, you know, we, we have the branches uh, that reach out and it's the visible part of us, but then underneath, you know, what goes on is, is a lot, you know, and, uh, I read somewhere that the the branch 
a root network of a tree is usually three times as wide, not even going like deep down into the core of the earth, but like how wide it is that it spreads about three times as wide as the branches, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Sisu uh, in a personal use when we are, because there are different types of moments when we need Sisu. Some are less, some are more. But when we are really talking of like when the push becomes a shove and it's very tough, um, the things to do or what it speaks to is this root system that we can build. And it is different for each of us how we do it. But the main point is, um, and this is where Sisu kind of also relates to the ancient Stoic philosophy, for those who are familiar with it, mm -hmm. uh, which places this practice or exercise, ascesis, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, um, of what is beneficial to us you know, into the core of how we live our daily life. For me is I have a daily practice, which each morning I usually wake up 5.30 or 6, and I always meditate. Um, I always find like a point of connection within myself to really ground to my root and to my life force. Um, in Eastern philosophy, uh, life force is discussed a lot, and it's a core of the martial arts traditions of Chinese uh, Chinese and Japanese. For example, in Chinese traditions called the Lower Dantian, where, uh, where we can cultivate and we can store our chi, the life force. So we all have this life force. There are techniques which we can all discover for ourselves, um, which do vary, you know, and there are so many of them. The main point is really to uh, find a way that is inspiring to us to do so. I mentioned nature earlier. Um, nature has been one of my biggest teachers in my life. And when I was a couple of years ago training for this, this quite a feat, you know, to run the length of New Zealand, which is 1,500 miles in 50 days. And people sometimes ask me that, what is your, who, did you have a coach? And well, I had a coach for two or three months when I was also training to do an Ironman. But other than that, my coach and my mentor guide was nature. Um, and I really uh, want to encourage all of us to look around us, look above, look below, and see, because when nature becomes our guide, we have an infinite supply of teachings. Uh, there's never a moment where we can't tap into something. The earth beneath our feet, you know, how much strength we can pull out from that, the infinite sky above us. Like part of Sisu, when it gets activated, is, you know, also where when we feel this connection to strength higher than ourselves, beyond ourselves, because we are part of a huge network, whatever anyone wants to call it, you know, but we're not these isolated beings. Um, so that's one point. Um, secondly, um, something that I've been doing a lot recently is breath work and really connecting to our breath as the, uh, the source of life force. Um, and it's mentioned in, again in like all these ancient traditions from the Indian uh, tradition to pretty much like all older cultures have a word for life force and the breath in itself. So um, I guess to make it kind of very short is that the, I would say the challenge with us humans, because we already hold the Sisu within. Sisu is not something that, is lost. So I never say we need to find Sisu. Sisu already is within us. Um, 
it's just that we sometimes forget when life gets busy and we are we fix our gaze in what is not working and we can go go into these downward spirals you know and things start really finding feeling lonely um and that is the stuff that really can paralyze um our thinking and our mind so that's why sisu is so much about knowing ourselves knowing what we can connect to within our own lives or in our surrounding so that we can kind of plug into that life force because it is always there and one practice that i recommend often in companies and and some companies have adopted this is to form um so this is when we can connect with others um and then this exercise can actually act as something that can um be helpful when we are alone you know so it can it can inform those alone moments but forming these little triads or forming small groups of people with whom we share these moments of sisu from our lives you know that we really get to remember the moments when we have uh transcended when we have um overcome because it's so easy to forget that we have these moments but when we do remember those we can draw from them in those moments of isolation and extreme difficulty um so i guess that is one of my messages really to that i hope that this moment that we are sharing now together that this uh partially can also act as something that activates this remembrance of the sisu within all of us really like we are truly um powerful beyond what we think we are and for myself how my journey with sisu started was that i nearly died as a result of um physical violence and going through that experience it made me ask the question that how do humans overcome extreme adversity how can we even uh be able to activate and um use adversity as a fuel so not only survive it but that energy that's coming how do we transcend it kind of like in aikido what we would do which is i practice aikido a japanese martial arts so you the energy that comes your way you don't resist it but you find the opening and you see where it's going and you send it off its way so you kind of ride it and you use it and so uh finding these tools that work for each of us and especially beneficial i found nature um that can really allow me to get on that uh wave and remember this truly truly um resourceful creative powerful nature that i have and we all have that's incredible thank you and i i just want our listeners to know that i did not pay miss latte to say the things that she <laughs> just said um because wow you have no idea how this is going to affect our listeners because oh. um we have so many folks of course are lifelong um pract- uh, uh practitioners of different martial arts uh in mm. in we in Washington DC I should say I'm not going I don't want to speak for all Americans but we mispronounce <laughs> it as aikido and that's not the correct pronunciation um as I found out when I when I lived abroad uh in the east but um uh a lot of our folks do we have you know uh for example the Marine Corps martial arts program known as MICMAP but but a lot of people do Brazilian jiu-jitsu Japanese jiu-jitsu judo um and also as a way to understand strategy whether it's a life strategy or strategy in warfare which is you know how do you um 
take advantage of certain flow, if you will? How do you allow an adversary or competitor to collapse under their own weight? Um, and it's interesting you brought up the idea of chi. I actually have a number of lessons. One of my lessons is called chi um, as a way to, to try to understand um, some of, a little bit, an introduction to a part of a culture within China um, and to, to better understand um, uh, really for ourselves. It's not really about, you know, it's part of it is getting to know China as a uh, economic competitor um, and in some cases a cooperator and, and friend, uh, what we call a near peer, um, but also what, what can we learn from that? And I think that's incredibly uh, important. And many folks in the national security community, they have um, maybe they don't all do meditation, but they oftentimes we have morning rituals. I certainly do, you know, go for a long run, <laughs> nothing like, uh, not running across New Zealand. I, I think I would, uh, that I, you know, you said earlier <laughs> that, uh, you know, Sisu for some people is like a warm up. I think your warm up would be like my Sisu. So, um, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, but, uh, but you know, people oftentimes will go, you know, have a morning routine. They'll go run out in nature. Um, they, yeah. they make this, you know, you, you hear some of the, uh, the famous warriors, you know, from people that came, uh, retired from the Navy SEALs or the Marines. Uh, and they talk about things like having them, you know, waking up early, having a morning routine, grounding yourself. Um, and what I think is especially interesting. So you, you've hit on so many different points that are actually part of our curriculum. So again, I did not pay Miss Latte to say the things that she did. But another thing that I think is fascinating is I love the analogy of that you described so well of a tree having this vast root system, this this thing that is beneath you and allows you to grow taller and reach you know wider because you have a strong root system. And I use that analogy to try to understand narratives. Um, but after this talk, I think I'm going to. Um, You've, you've gotten me interested. I have a lot of research questions that I, I'll email you uh, later on. Um, but uh, I did want to, at the end here, um, because we've, we've taken up so much of your time, uh, the first thing is I wanted just to double check that uh, the paper that you talked about earlier, is this the paper in IJW Embodied Fortitude? Is, this, is that the one that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, yes. great. Okay, I'll make sure that uh, uh, that students have the PDF and have the uh, URL as well. Um, and this should be absolutely required reading in future curriculum. I will make it part of required reading, um, and I, I know students will be will actually enjoy and love it and learn a lot from it. Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, what what uh, types of things are you currently working on, um, and how can we follow your career? How can, uh, for example, uh, perhaps whether it's our corporate partners or certain um, agencies or departments, um, how can they reach out to you uh, as a speaker, as a, a practitioner, but also uh, an activist, but also as a scholar um, to provide, you know, whether it's a leadership workshop or it's understanding this idea of, of inner quiet strength, um, gentle, uh, 
gentle powers. That, that that's what you said, right? Gentle powers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. we call that quiet professionalism. Sometimes in the military. So what are ways mm. that my students after they finish uh, their uni uh, university? So in a couple months they graduate and they go back to commands. Can they reach out to you? Um, uh, obviously, in, the, in an age of COVID, it'll probably be you know through through uh, Zoom or something like that. But um, to learn more, uh, to follow your career, to to know, for example, future publications they should be on the lookout for, and if they um, and if they can, um, if they can again maybe join one of your workshops or, you know, uh, best of all worlds in a post-pandemic uh, uh, world bring you to speak with our uh, national security leaders and also our war fighters? Mm. Yes, absolutely. I am I'm a very approachable person, so with a, uh, a really welcome, um, welcome ideas, you know, and collaborative... Um, proposals around this right now what i'm working on is really this very very curious and very nuanced uh intersection between strength and softness um and how does that play out in the daily life in leadership i'm currently part of this very interesting uh training called it's uh art of relating art of being human and we're doing this four month long leadership training really to see how authentic relating applies to real life uh, or applies to um, all kinds of situations and, you know, through communication and uh, being really, truly present. And I'm seeing how that relates to Sisu, to our inner strength, you know, also the, the courage to be um, authentic. Yesterday I had this idea, and I think I'm going to use this as a concept, but, you know, there's, uh, there's external courage, which are the things that we do, which are visible. They sometimes can end up in our CVs, you know, and, we get rewarded for them and applauded sometimes. Uh, that's, for example, Amelia running 1,500 kilometers across New Zealand. It's a visible thing. Yeah. But then the upper journey that we all go through is the internal courage, which is which are the thousands and thousands and thousands of miles that we go within uh, the other way. And that's something that's private. You know, that's in the in the uh, space of our own human experience. And that's something that's not visible necessarily to anyone else. And that's the space where, um, like, how do we know when force, uh, sorry, when power turns into force, um, when we go from this place of fluently expressing our sisu that it becomes actually something that starts to imprison us, you know, that we go from, I think good comparison for it is like when power turns to force and there's this certain rigidity. So I'm very, very curious on um, understanding how to communicate that and create, uh, develop, continue developing the training on that because it really can add um, to our uh, understanding of leadership in different kinds of moments because it really comes down to our own human experience and our personal leadership and personal management. Everything comes always, um, for me, down to that. And then it gets applied to the real life. Um, so I do one-on-one -on -one work with people. I work with people from military, uh, from the Olympic um, committees, um, companies, mothers, fathers. You know, it's a really broad spectrum because you know, life force is really something that relates to every single human. Uh, so I'm very open to that. Um, 
to some some degree because um, I work with very few individuals at the same time. I'm finishing I'm writing the book right now called Gentle Power, mm-hmm. um, and it's really about like how um, the working title for just right now is Gentle Power, um, a revolution in how you know we think, lead, and succeed. So it's it comes from this point of view of um, introducing this balanced way of doing things. Um, instead of the maybe more traditional like grinding and pushing, but how do we do these things in a way that um, really, really creates sustainable value? Uh, and it's based on psychological safety. You know, it's based on truly connecting on human to human level because it benefits the people around us, but it also makes our own journey um, more meaningful and more connected. So those are some of the things, and I think the best way to reach me. Um, for anyone who feels the call is I post most of my stuff on Instagram where I am at emilialahti.official and also all my links are found at my website which is www.sisulab.com and emilialahti.com comes to the same place and I pretty much have all my links to all my social media stuff there so that's pretty easy yeah it's, it's a by the way it's a great site uh, for students that um work on communications uh, and uh, marketing and branding. It is a brilliant website. I think it's, it's, it's something I've actually used in the last few weeks when I talk to people about uh, website best practices. I'm like, this is the, the platinum standard, by the way. So absolutely blown away um, uh, on how that the, it's very interactive and it's just extraordinarily, uh, totally off topic, but um, it, it's an extraordinary website. Uh, Amelia, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, I look forward to, I heard that your book got picked up by a publisher, so congratulations uh, about that. Can't wait to uh, buy and read it. Uh, I can't wait to continue following your career, following your research, uh, your blog, certainly uh, Insta- Instagram, um, and, uh, and and thank you for everything that you do. I think there there is so much relevance at a at a network level, at a community level, but also uh, at the individual level that um, I know our students are going to find incredible value in this. And I hope that they come back to this interview uh, time and again um, to reflect on the importance of um, especially something that you said that really kind of really caught me um, was that Sisu is not something you have to find. It's something that you have and that it's something that you want to find a way to tap into. So I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, I want to thank you so much. I hope, I hope it's a, uh, uh, a great evening there in Bali. Um, we're having some pretty good weather in Washington, DC, but, but it's not Bali. So, um, I'll, I'll stay on after I, I push end in the recording. But, uh, again, I want to thank you so much, Amelia. And, if you're ever in Washington, D.C., I have a College of Information Cyberspace coin for you. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, as, as the very least that we could do for you taking up now it, a full hour, this is supposed to be 25 minutes out of respect for your time. But um, I guess I'm, I'm just so thrilled to have you to finally uh, have this interview um, and have this, you know, for something that I have been quoting you and studying for years and i think for me at least it's going to be a lifelong intellectual journey to better understand sisu and how it can apply um, in our communities 
and also uh, to ourselves. So thank you so much, Amelia. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I have to add that it's thank you for generous words and uh, for this idea. And it really is an, is an honor and was an honor to be part of this. So thank you for my part. Thank you.